Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. So, Sean, as I think about life right now, I'm stuck on a word that's way overused, but it, it's so accurate, unprecedented. It seems like every aspect of life is being touched with unique challenges and stress. And and we're really hearing that when we talk with pastors, aren't we? Oh, man, there's so much stress out there. Pastoral ministry is a stressful job to start with. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of pastors just in the normal course of their work, they just swim in criticism. Uh, but COVID has made things 10 times worse or maybe 100 times worse. Uh, just after Christmas, I I received a bunch of calls from really burned out pastors just saying, I I don't know how much longer I can do this. Um, And they're looking ahead and saying, I don't know when it's going to end. So yeah, unprecedented is a good word. The stress levels are way higher than they should be. And we're really recognizing that. So today on Hope Renewed, we want to dig down into the wear and tear that these unprecedented times are causing and speak some hope into what can feel like desperate conditions We are so glad to welcome Denny Howard to Hope Renewed. Denny serves as the Director of Counseling and Coaching for Full Strength Network, a group of professional caregivers around the nation who provide preemptive renewal and counseling services to pastors and their families. He is a state licensed clinician in mental health, a marriage and family therapist, and a certified addictions counselor, as well as an ordained minister. He speaks regularly on personality-based conflict, stress management, maintaining personal vitality, and a wide range of interpersonal relationship issues. And he is the author, along with Hugh White, of the book, At Full Strength, Navigating the Risks of Ministry and Vocational Caregiving. And we here at PIR enjoy not only a ministry partnership with Full Strength Network, but Count Denny as a good, good friend. Coming to us from beautiful Fort Wayne, Indiana, where he and his wife, Debbie, live. Denny Howard, welcome to Hope Renewed. Well, Tom and Sean, it's good to be here. Denny, I... I know I couldn't think of anyone more qualified or connected to share on the issue of how all of this, this current state of affairs is impacting the mental health and well-being of pastors and ministry leaders. Uh, But before we jump into that, could you give us kind of the 40,000 foot flyover of Full Strength Network and how you're connected to pastors and ministry leaders? Yeah, a Full Strength Network is really, it's about helping pastors assess their own well-being and find their way to strengthening resources. And we have a network of uh, well over 400 counselors, coaches, retreat renewal kinds of ministries for pastors. And your goal really is to provide a one-stop shop for pastoral well-being. Well, hopefully what we like to do is help pastors uh, on a, if you picture a continuum, a bell curve, there's everything from I'm kind of tired. I just need some place to get away, to be still and know God, to retreat, whether it's as an individual or a couple. And then there's coaching. Maybe some pastors are saying, you know, I think I need a change. I, I can't quite get my heart and mind around what's going on in my life. I don't know if I need counseling, but I need a coach. And we have those in our network. And then we have 
uh, pastors that are saying, my marriage is hurting, I feel depressed, and we refer them to counseling. And then there's even more so, sometimes we help with what's called counseling or marriage intensives, where around the nation, we're kind of a one-stop shop to be able to find out where are these places that minister specifically to ministry people. And, and one of the resources that, that you offer that I think is new uh, is the book At Full Strength, Navigating the Risks of Ministry and Vocational Caregiving. And um, I love the book just in, in the, well, I love your man- mannerisms and method, Denny. It's, it, it makes sense to me. Thanks, it kind of follows a good pattern for my simple brain. I'm not calling you simple, but uh, you speak to the simple of us. And in the book, you talk about navigating stress in, in ministry. And, and as Sean mentioned, ministry is just stressful anyway. What, what does stress typically look like uh, for pastors? There's basically four types of stress when you get into that pastor's face. There's, there's what we call potent stress. And the word picture of that is you're driving down the road, minding your own business, doing your call, and you get T-boned in your car. Somebody mm. just crashes on the side of the car and you wake up and you're in the hospital and go, whoa, what happened here? And those are things like uh, someone dies suddenly, which we had a lot of that during uh, the COVID era, or uh, your teenage comes home drunk out of his or her mind and you go, well, I didn't even know my kid drank alcohol or use drugs and and so or it's your board saying and you didn't see it coming we're Mm. we're we're asking you to resign you're going what i i didn't realize uh things were this way and Mm. so those are potent then the second we i call persistent stress and the word picture is it's this is the most dangerous kind of stress it's like a dripping faucet on a block of granite. Uh, the water always wins over time. Eventually, you look at that block of granite, and it looks like a donut. There's a hole worn through the middle mm-hmm. from just a drip, 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 drip. Pastors and pastoral couples tend to ignore this kind of stress because they'll go, well, it's just a part of ministry. Mm-hmm. Then the third type of stress that affects pastors, I think, more than the general population is perceptual stress. They're all three or all four of them are peace. There's mm-hmm. potent stress, there's persistent stress, or what you call persevering stress. Then there's perceptual stress. And that's when a, a person sets a bar in their mind that they think they have to jump over. Uh, and there's a lot of pastors feeling like they're crashing their foreheads on the bar because they're working harder and accomplishing less during mm-hmm. seasons of intense uh, persevering or persistent stress. And so they set that bar someplace that isn't reasonable or realistic. The, the last one, pervasive, is a combination of two or more. And what we have during our current chapter called COVID, the COVID era, is people who have had potent stresses. They've lost some people who are near and dear to them uh, then they have this dripping faucet, persistent stress of their kids are at home, they're having to go online, and some of the pastors are intimidated by having to do everything online, mm-hmm. uh, and they found some 19-year-old in their church who said, we can make this happen, uh, and then the, that perceptual stress of, I should be doing more when they feel like they're working hard and accomplishing less, or some others feel like I'm not doing anything worthwhile. 
I'm not worthy of my hire. So they put all kinds of pressure. And so in the recent, this past year, there's a lot of pastors who are experiencing all three types of stress. They are in a very complicated situation and are very susceptible to burnout, what we'd call just burnout. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so many of them are saying, I think I want to, I've heard more in the last year after counseling almost 7,000 pastors in my career, I've heard, I think I want to do something else more in 2020 to 2021 than I have in any five or six years before. And so that says something about the impact of a pandemic on the the stress, what happens is pastors handle all four types of stress, but when they're, when it's uh, all of them together for a long, long time, eventually the organic brain in our head is saying, we're not going to do this anymore. I can't keep doing this. And so they begin to break down in some way, depressed, anxious, uh, disappointed, discouraged, uh, a loss of vision, feeling like their focus is derailed, those kinds of experiences. And wow. So that's kind of all four of them in a nutshell. And, and those, I, you know, just the, the physiological responses to, to that stress. So we want to dig into that. But before we do, uh, you, you meet with a lot of pastors. I know you, you have a lot of connections, talking with a lot of pastors. Um, are you seeing uh, just particular types of ways, and you, you've mentioned a, a couple of them, uh, in, in which uh, COVID is, is really challenging pastors. So I know Sean and I have talked about the technological curve, that suddenly pastors who didn't deal with technology are now expected to be, uh, you know, technological wizards and have issues uh, like, I don't know, they sign on to Zoom and their sound doesn't work. And what do you do with that? (laughs) You know, and just how that creates stress. Are you seeing any particular uh, challenges? You know, in the book, you talk about navigating a number of different types of challenges. Are any being heightened, especially in this time? Yeah, Tom, it's kind of changed. If we go back to the illustration of ministries like a marathon, it's not a sprint, is uh, I did uh, a number of webinars where people could, pastors that were listening could actually vote on what emotions were they experiencing. And and everybody could see it in real time. You know, that's the beauty of technology. They could go, what percentage of the pastors listed of these 10 emotions last April or May in 2020, what we found at the top of the stack of emotional reactions or responses was anxiety and a fear over the uncertainty. Now, here's what happened by July or August. Our organic brain could only be anxious so long. And then when I say organic, we're not talking about our soul or spirit. We're just talking about the, the cortex in her brain is eventually saying, you're no friend of mine. I can't take this anymore. I'm, we're not going to stay in this vigilant, high alert, high alarm mm. state. You know, it's like after you nearly have a car accident and 20 minutes later, you feel like you could go to sleep. What that yeah. is, is the brain saying, we're not going to stay. We're not going to keep producing this cortisol and adrenaline. I'm going to shut you down. And so here's what happened around August, September, is pastors begin to talk about lethargy, melancholy, 
depressed, not wanting to move forward and motivated. And then when it came to September or October, November, here's what they begin to say. What they're experiencing the most is aggravation, frustration, and feeling impatient themselves and encountering an incredible amount of impatience among parishioners. Nice people who've always supported them are now starting to go off on them. Mm. People are getting tired of being kind of caged up. Uh, And so when I say, how does it affect them? You see these pastors, they're anxious, then they go into a depression, then they kind of recover some with prayer and actually slowing down, not having something going constantly. And now they're frustrated because I thought this was gonna be three or four months. It's a year later. Now compare this to other things in ministry. I thought after having 10 talks with all these different elders, we had moved through this, but now here's the well-intentioned dragon that's slapping his tail around and breathing fire. And here we go again in ministry. And I thought we had gotten over this hurdle. And so there's a lot of comparisons. Here's what's happened with COVID. COVID didn't cause a lot of problems all that much. What it did is expose. Mm. So if your marriage was strained, if difficulty with the kids or with the church, what it did is just put a magnifying glass over that which already existed. Ministry people who had pretty healthy families. Actually, when I asked them two questions, one, what do you miss most about life as normal? And two, after calling 64 of them, uh, just that I knew personally, uh, the second one was, what will you miss about uh, the COVID era? And a lot of them would say, having dinner with my kids every mm-hmm. evening. And they're going, I just almost grieve the loss of that because I'm getting to know my teenagers. They're telling me stuff they shouldn't tell their mom and dad. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why? Because we're together. <laughs> and, and one said, I'd go out for a walk with all four of my kids every day around the neighborhood pond. And he says, the two oldest started saying, I know COVID is going to end. Is there a way we can keep doing this, dad? Wow. And he's going, wow, I can't walk with all four of my kids and wife. And the guy had lost 18 pounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just going for a walk with his four kids and his wife. He'd, he'd pr- do preparation. They'd do their homework. And he said, they'd come and knock on his office door and say, hey, dad, it's time for the walk. And mm. so what COVID embellished for some families is we really want to stick together for other families. It blew them apart. And even uh, teen, uh, you know, some families where the teenager is feeling suicidal because they're feeling so isolated from community. And so the, the stress of just things that maybe were manageable, but now that they're exposed, they become so much larger and so much more in your yeah. face. Yeah. Or, or yeah, if you look at like this, let's say if you have a bad knee, uh, and you go for a real long hike one day, and the next three days it's swollen and inflamed. And that's kind of what's happened on the marathon of COVID or the marathon of ministry stress is something that kind of hurt a little bit now is screaming at you. Now mm-hmm. the marriage is screaming at you. The struggles with the kids is screaming at you. The, the, you know, the elders, deacons, teachers, parishioners, are getting more demanding now. Mm. 
uh, and they're, they think we should be back in church instead of, uh, you know, over the Facebook or web or whatever. And so um, all that, if we look at it that way, we'd say, here's the beauty of the COVID era. If there's something deeply wrong in my life, I mean, if I'm really integrous before God, wouldn't I want it exposed? Mm. You know, that, you know, if there's pride in my heart, why wouldn't I want that exposed? So, you know, you, we can't change what we don't know. If I didn't realize my marriage was bad or my kids were using drugs, if I didn't, you can't deal with what you don't know. And so what COVID, the beauty of COVID, no, nobody ever talks about the beauty, they call it unprecedented. The beauty of COVID is it takes things out of our scotoma or blind spots. And now we realize, oh my goodness, I probably need to run off somewhere with my wife. Where's a place that during COVID we could just run off and be alone and talk about things and that, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And so that's the upside. I, that's what some ministry people have told me they'll miss about COVID is it's kind of exposed some areas of their life that needed to be exposed mm-hmm. so they could lean into it. And so it's been a great time counseling with people because there's this openness to there's some things in my heart that has nothing to do with COVID. It just needed to be out there where we can deal with it. Um, And we're afraid to be exposed, but we're not talking about your whole church knowing we're talking about, I now (laughs) recognize something (laughs) about myself. I don't like very much Mm. and it needs to change. And that's really the difference, isn't it? The courage to say, I need to change this. I need to do something yeah. about this as yeah. opposed to, okay, no, what do I need to do to keep this hidden uh, yeah. And, yeah. and continue to run away, which can, again, heighten the stress yeah. and, and create some of the, the mental anguish and mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. And here's what COVID has done. If you, you know, if you go into your uh, wife's, uh, go look at your wife's uh, mirror and, and one side is regular and the other side is, is magnified and you in the bright light you look at your face and, and that magnified me and go oh my gosh i look horrible i look so old look at that you know and you see if there's some little flaw you notice that and that's what covid has done but i i've really encouraged ministry people to say is that a bad thing hmm. you know if you had a little cancer spot on your face from too much sun and you hold up that magnifying mirror and go, oh my goodness, I didn't notice that in a regular mirror in the dimmer light. And you go to the doctor and says, well, you know, that's melanoma. And you're, you know, fortunately you come in now because we could just kind of cook that little thing and it'll be gone and the scar will hardly show. But if you wait two more years, now they have to mm. take a big chunk out of your face. And now you're feeling self-conscious now in the regular mirror all the time you could say. And so I've just really encouraged people to say, there, look at a good side of COVID. It has exposed things about our culture, about our faith groups, about our politics, about our country, about our world and about us. We, we've got, we've appeared about as ugly as we can appear when you look at our whole culture. Mm. And why, if I have an ugliness within me, wouldn't I want it exposed, not to everybody, but at least so it's out there where I can look at it in that, that magnified mirror and say, Lord, 
what do we need to do with this? Yeah, you're making me want to go get one of those mirrors and take a look at my skin. <laughs> oh, we'd be happy to tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, and see, see, for pastors, that mirror is an accountability partner or group. Mm-hmm. That'll, you know, it's like one pastor on a early Thursday morning. He goes, Denny, if you do that, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> He's going, what is wrong with you? I mean, where do you have somebody who'll say, what is, what are you thinking? I had to haul off and slap Mm -hmm. you one for even entertaining, making that kind of decision. And I think I generally make wise decisions, but here's a pastor saying, I mean, he literally said, you know, I had to slap you. (laughs) You know better than that. And it exposed, it held up that magnifying mirror to go, wow. This is a dirty, rotten attitude mm. that I felt perfectly self-justified in it. So, Denny, you, what I hear you saying in some ways is that um, having our stress levels exposed and, and feeling uh, just the, the effects of that can can lead to good things if we're willing to to really look at yes. at the level. What's the the kind of the long term impact of of this stress on the mental health of those in ministry? What can happen a lot with uh, pastors over the long haul is a strategy I give them is to begin to list what are these expectations. If you're disappointed, depressed, angry, frustrated, any strong emotional reaction as it relates to perceptual stress is always tied to an expectation. Mm-hmm. So what is my expectation I have of myself? I have them just list them. I said, look, don't worry. Don't filter them. Don't worry about uh, whether it's stupid or it's wise or intelligent or uh, really ignorant. Don't worry about that. Just list it because if it's there, it's there. And so they list all these expectations. And then what I say is, okay, do you think, in a column next to that expectation, in column one, you say, is this an expectation I have myself or others have of me? Column two, just a thin column, do a check, or what I believe others have of me. And so it helps to know, is this self-inflicted by I have this expectation on myself to accomplish these kinds of things, or that I believe others have this expectation of me, or I know for fact that they do. Uh, where this becomes very embellished is I've worked with a number of women who are fourth generation pastor's wives. Wow. Oh my goodness. They have hand me down expectations from their grandmother and their mother and expectations they have. I can think of one who's a very intelligent professional woman who feels shamed by her mother and grandmother because she wants to be a professional woman and not a stay-at-home parent uh, and all the pressure she feels. And so, so they look at their expectation is that of themselves, what they believe others have of them or others actually have it of them. And then they have to ask themselves, it has to pass through two filters. Is this a reasonable expectation is filter one. Filter two is, is this a realistic expectation? Let me give you an example of that. Um, I did a lot of mountaineering, climbing, running marathons in my early years. I have a third place marathon medal from outside of Munich, Germany. 
And is it realistic that somebody who could win a third place in a marathon could jog in his 50s? The answer to that is yes, but I was hit by lightning and I have a Parkinsonian condition. So sometimes I have a hard time keeping up with my sweet little wife on a walk. And she'll say, well, last night you walked faster. Well, that was last night. And I, I can't, I walk with a cane now uh, and have since my late 40s, because if I don't, I fall backwards. And so it's realistic that somebody in their safe 40s, 50s and 60s be able to jog. Mm -hmm. But for me, it is not, it's reasonable, but it's not, I'm sorry, it's reasonable, but it's not realistic right. mm -hmm. because of a neurological challenge. And I think a lot of pastors merge those. And if you could just separate them, is this a reasonable expectation I have myself, especially during things, times of stress, like a COVID experience mm. five, 10, 15 years from now. I mean, we have our own personal COVID experiences where we feel somewhat uh, unprecedented level of stress. Uh, and is, am I being reasonable and am I being realistic? Am I, this may be reasonable that all my kids behave in a certain way, but I have four kids or five kids as a pastor. Is it realistic? Because mm. if you have three or four kids, you're going to have one that's a shopping cart with a sticky wheel. <laughs> Keeps running into the shelves. It's not, it may be reasonable that they behave fairly well, but it's not realistic. Mm. And so sometimes to push them through all those filters, self-inflicted or what you perceive others perceive of you, what others actually perceive and expect of you and uh, of your expectation. And then looking, is it reasonable or realistic? If it isn't reasonable or realistic, there's only a couple things you can do with it. It, it almost sounds like the, the, the simple exercise of just learning to be honest mm -hmm. and, and learning to be graceful with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So Denny, a lot of pastors who call us uh, at, at PIR uh, have really gone on for quite some time ignoring some of the warning signs of stress. And they've gotten to a point where they feel like they've got nothing left. Uh, and then they call us. Um, what can a pastor do? Or, or what are some of the, the warning signs that a pastor can be watching for so they don't get to that point? Yeah, the book, At Full Strength, is really the culmination of a a, a, a t over a 12-year longitudinal study on the predictive low times in the life of a pastor. Hmm. Reading the book, you can discover that there are predictable low times that can be anticipated, almost like if you're on a rafting trip and the guide says, now, when we reach this point and you see this cliff and these trees, these pine trees, I'm going to say paddle hard left and don't Stop paddling hard. You just need to do what I say. Paddle hard left because if we don't, this will happen. And so you, they're kind of prepared. And so a lot of pastors aren't prepared and don't anticipate those predictive low times. And so what they do is they pull the alarm when the house is in full blaze, so to speak, rather than when they smell smoke. Uh, and so pastors, it's what I call the good soldier syndrome. They go, I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I keep marching forward. I keep being a good soldier. And the next thing you know, let's say Tom is the good soldier. And you go, well, Tom's really likable. He's fun to be around. I thought Tom was pretty. And all of a sudden, 10 miles down the trail of marching uh, in, in cadence, Tom collapses flat on his face. We go, 
oh, we thought Pastor Tom was okay. And we checked Pastor Tom over and found out he died. He, he actually passed away from bleeding out from a thousand paper cuts. Wasn't any one event. It wasn't some traumatic event. It was just a thousand little paper cuts that he eventually bled out and collapsed on the march. And that's, I think, too often represents the pastors who call PIR, is they've had a thousand paper cuts. And when they've had so much blood loss, so to speak, they might on the way down pull the alarm and indicate they're going down, where at that point it may not be too late, but um, I, I would really encourage pastors to read the book or really anticipate what are their early warning signs that they're headed towards burnout. Mm. And the, the, the uh, crosshairs research that the book is on actually defines four criteria that was true of 683 pastors who had experienced burnout. Uh, you know, there's hundreds of dynamics, but most of them could be put in one of those four criteria that we can talk about if you want to go that direction. Yeah, I, I'd be interested because that was fascinating to me, the, the whole perspective of being able to anticipate. Yeah, you know, we, we say, OK, we know, first of all, we know Monday mornings stink for pastors. OK, that's yeah, that's yeah. You, you don't make decisions about staying in the ministry on Monday. Morning. <laughs> right. Um, just being able to anticipate that again, taking more of the mature view uh, of, of taking responsibility for oneself is saying, okay, uh, so looking, and, and I can do that maybe, okay, I know, you know, uh, the, the week after Easter is going to be difficult because I put so much into it, or, you know, we did a podcast on recovering from the holidays, and, and what do you do in the month of January having gone through Advent and, and Christmas, uh, but what the study, the Crosshair study was showing that there are, I mean, cycles of like seven years, wasn't that? Uh, there. What we found is that about six to seven years, 12 to 13, it, it seems to, it cycles about six to seven, 12 to 13, 21 to 22, 28 to 20. And there's descriptions of the, what they experience emotionally during these times. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'd go, well, that's just silly. I mean, it's the seven year itch. Well, the seven year itch is a movie. It has nothing to do with any real <laughs> dynamic at all. But what we found is the four criteria of burnout, pastors tend, or what we call caught in the crosshair, had four characteristics to it, but it tends to happen in those kinds of cycles. What's also interesting is one of the leading researchers in longitudinal studies on marriage, Dr. John Gottman, who is known around the world, that the first big bump of divorce is 6.4 years. And the second is somewhere between 12 and 13 years. And so it's interesting. You see some of these same cyclic predictable low times in the marriage as well as ministry. But now when it's your current ministry assignment, your total years and the number of years in marriage, when they all kind of go into the crosshairs together, a person is, uh, has a high potential for total burnout. And when I say total burnout, I'm talking about serious, serious burnout, not mm. I'm tired this week. It's a tiredness that a vacation's not going to take care of. Right. Because it's not just one paper cut right. that's causing right. this. It's so right. Many. Can we talk about those four 
uh, characteristics of Please burnout. Do. Yeah. And so there's, there's four of them that seem to be true out of 683 that seem to be true of all of them. And one is what we call lack of resiliency. And what I mean by their resiliency is gone or it's very low is a, a good word p- picture of that is I'm from Indiana and so is so are you, Tom? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sean, uh, you're up in Michigan. He's a Michigander. But it's true. This this illustration works very well in Michigan. But in Indiana, basketball is nearly a religion. There's like, there's God and basketball and then my spouse. And sometimes that gets reversed <laughs> yeah, in Indiana, not always that. you know? If you'd buy an NCAA basketball or an NBA, the actual game ball, they're worth about $80, $90. But if they're deflated, they're absolutely not any more valuable than some, uh, some basketball you'd buy at the dollar store somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so it's that lack, it's that inability to, it's like the slightest disappointment deflates me and I can't seem to bounce back. And so I don't care, you buy a $90 basketball, it doesn't dribble well and it doesn't go through the rim well and it doesn't, it's hard to catch if it's deflated. So it really doesn't serve its purpose, but it's a brand new leather ball. Mm. And so resiliency is the first. The second characteristic that these pastors all said, oh, yeah, that's that's so me, is a loss of satisfaction. So a loss of resiliency, a loss of satisfaction in something they spent a great deal of years educating themselves to become. Some of them. Uh, you know, with college and seminary, seven to nine years of training for this. And now 12, 13, 14 years into it, they want to leave ministry altogether. Mm. There's a lack of satisfaction. The third one is what we call lack of vitality. And what I mean by that is if you have a, a, a good word picture as an old cell phone, uh, the battery's old and you charge it up and it says a hundred percent. And by 9 AM, it's down to 20%. <laughs> it just does. It doesn't hold its charge anymore. And so we're talking about what is your, what is your vitality emotionally, spiritually, relationally, maritally, uh, physically, uh, you know, in terms of exercise and nutrition and relational connectedness, all those things. So they all said they felt like one or more areas was extremely low. And then the last one, is a loss of vision. And when I say loss of vision, it doesn't mean they have no vision anymore, but uh, they would say it's like if you wear glasses or contacts, like somebody put Vaseline on your glasses. The vision that once inspired you and energized you is just kind of blurry. You know, Mm. if you wear glasses and they get dirty, there's nothing much more irritating than smudges on your glasses. Even on a sunny, beautiful day, the smudges that blurs your vision is even more apparent. So even if things look good in the church, the pastor who's burnout has this sense of a loss of clarity in their vision. So again, it's a loss of resiliency, a loss of satisfaction, a loss of vitality, and a loss of clarity in their vision. So it's really incumbent on pastors to be building into their routine of life a time of examining these areas. Absolutely. Yeah. And the book, uh, actually, even if they don't even buy the book, they could go to full strength, uh, fullstrength.org forward slash at full strength. They can get the workbook for free 
and there's even in the chapter on dealing with that, there's questions. Uh, there's inventories and questions. I build assessments. It's kind of a hobby that's become a pseudo career, except nobody can really do it full time because it takes so much brain power. But there's a free assessment that they could find if they go to mylifedomains.org. And what they could do is take an assessment on how am I doing emotionally? How am I doing physically? How am I doing spiritually? How am I doing financially? How am I doing maritally? How am I doing in terms of friendships? And what they could do is they could do it over and over and actually compare it to what they said last August or last December. Mm -hmm. And they could see, am I in each of these areas? And each one, each domain takes about 10 minutes. And what it will do, let's say if I go in and take the spiritual one, I'll go, I'm just kind of in a funk. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just not on my game. I can't seem to get my heart and mind around this ministry and what I'm supposed to be doing. They go in there and once they take it, what it will do is break their spirituality down into eight different er sub areas. Hmm. So, or if it's relational, you could, you know, they break it down and begin to realize, wow, it's not my marriage and family and friendships. This one elder is driving me crazy. I didn't realize how it's impacting me. And so this will kind of lay out. And so you could actually have an objective. It's a true assessment, uh, mm -hmm. an assessment free that you could do over and over and over. Just remember your email and password that you use. It will help them kind of take their temperature on what domain, emotional, spiritual, relational, physical, mm -hmm. financial, maritally, family-wise, which domain do I need to pay more attention to and what specific area Within, if it's physical, what do I need to pay attention to the most? Or if it's spiritual or if it's emotional, what do I need to pay attention? And it's nice to say, wow, I knew I was emotionally down, but I didn't know exactly where. It yeah. helps them take the magnifying glass and isolate what is the sub area that they need to pay most attention mm -hmm. to. Having taken those uh, uh, assessments, um, they made me really mad the first time I took them. <laughs> it's it, because it's that mirror, it's that 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 convex yeah. mirror that kind of magnifies yeah. everything, and and you see the things that you don't want to see. Then finding that, like you say, doing it over and over and over again, gives you a baseline. Mm -hmm. Begin to see, okay, yeah. yeah. So and and even noticing trends and and. Yeah recognizing things that, that are uh, going on. That's a good thing to take even when things are going very well. Yeah. Because you get a baseline of how am I when things are about as good as they can get and how am I when things are really lousy and I'm about mm. as low and ready to quit because all pastors entertain, I think I want to quit at some point. Uh, you know, that's just being human. I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah. So Denny, uh, in addition to those assessments, um, what types of things that are helpful and healthy uh, can those in ministry do to navigate some of the challenges they face? Uh, Sean, it's a, when we look at those four types of stress, if they have the, remember the potent stress is like the car accident. When they have potent stress, they need to talk it out. They need to communicate it out. They need to journal. They need to externalize it from their body, so to speak, from inside their mind. And so, uh, you know, example of that is I, I know a guy who's a psychologist who actually helped two pastors who actually ran into the fray of the Boston bombing to help people. And one of them is no longer in ministry who went silent 
who went inward, the other began to talk with people and talk and talk and talk and repeat himself and, and then speak about it and all that kind of thing. And the one who talked it out, actually serving and doing well ministry, the one that just kept it to himself, the trauma, the post-traumatic stress disorder, is no longer in ministry. Mm. And so we, th- that kind of stress, we need to talk out. The uh, persistent stress or perseverance stress, the second kind, the dripping faucet on a block of granite, we need to find, uh, again, the, the last two chapters of the book, At Full Strength, really gives some strategic strategies, or again, to go online to the workbook, strategies, what are the things that God has given me, the rituals and activities, emotionally, spiritually, physically, recreationally, maritally, uh, family-wise, what has God given me that renews me? I'll give you an example of that. And we have to do this preemptively. We can't wait till we're burnt out to do this. I love bicycling, even though I have a neurological challenge. I have a special bike. I love it. And my wife said to me one day, she said, you know, you are almost always in good spirits from about April to the end of October. (laughs) You know, you're lighthearted. You have fun. You're more engaging. You sleep better. And she says, you know, what do you think that is? I said, oh, high vitamin D. I'm out in the sun. She goes, I don't think so, because you take vitamin D all the time. She goes, I think it's bicycling. Mm. And she says, my precious wife, she says, why don't you buy winter gear for bicycling? She goes, people cross country ski, they snowmobile, they jog in the winter, buy some good gear. You know what? One of my favorite times to bicycle is 35 degrees because the trails aren't crowded. And when I go home and I take a hot shower, I'm not sweating like a racehorse three hours later, (laughs) like you would in the summer at 85 degrees. And so we need to find the activities for the second kind. The third type of stress, the perceptual stress, remember that's the the high jump bar that we set. we We have to do one of four things with our expectations if they're not reasonable and realistic. We could cling to them and continue to experience the same distress. We could clarify them, which sometimes a coworker or a spouse or kids or, you know, our neighbor could say, oh, well, thanks for telling me. Sure, I could do that. That's no big deal. We can modify them. It doesn't mean lower. See, people think mm. I'm lowering. I think during COVID, pastor's modification is the name of the game. I have to modify mm-hmm. my expectations on everything. And then the last one is, you know, again, there's cling to, which does no good, clarify modify or there's some that we just need to abandon Mm. it's my marriage or my family or my church is never going to be this way i'm not going to be the next saddleback and so there's some things that we just Mm -hmm. have to accept acceptance is a is a huge key in joy is there some things maybe god has called me to serve a little church for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. And so those are, of those four types of stresses, those are different strategies to deal with each. Mm-hmm. Now that's, this is a podcast, so they can back it up if they didn't get it. It's like, whoa, I should have taken notes. Well, just back it up. <laughs> buy the book. Or buy the book and order it online. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not promoting it because I'm making thing off of the, it was sponsored. So, uh, you know, it was funded. So I don't make anything when you go buy it. And so, I feel like I could really promote it because it really is a gift based on a research project for ministry people in general, not just pastors, but ministry people in general. 
so Denny, would this be a book that uh, a pastor who is in burnout could use as part of their recovery too? They, they, they can, especially the workbook. Again, the workbook's free and it's online at fullstrength.org forward slash at full strength. Uh, yeah, they, they can, but I think Tom's advice is don't wait till you're burned out to read the book and order the book, mm-hmm. read it ahead of time. But it, it's true. It's better to really have the first day book to open and say, how, how do you deal with a burn? It's not CPR, but how do you deal with, I've been burned in ministry and here's what's going on and find that chapter that has some strategies and at least this sense, I think pastors love it. One of my favorite affirmations is when they say, Denny, I feel like you get me. Mm. I feel like I don't have to fully explain. You just kind of get me. Well, I, you know, I've been through a thousand divorces. I've been through a, a, a thousand marriage problems. I've been through uh, fired a thousand times with people. I've been on that journey. So there's not much that they can say that I haven't been there before. But I think the book can be helpful to them because it'll give this sense of, wow, this is not a strange experience. This probably eventually happens to all pastors at some bend in the road. Just as we think about those who will be listening to this uh, podcast, what, what kind of word of hope and encouragement would you like to share with them? I think I'd close with this. Don't be afraid of what God's spirit wants to expose and bring into the light in your heart and life. You know, it doesn't need to be out there for everybody, but don't be afraid of that because that's when God really does his highest and best work in you. Mm -hmm. And I think so many pastors are in hiddenness. I don't mean deep, dark secrets, but there's a certain hiddenness that comes with the profession. And I would just say, be courageous. Don't be afraid to be exposed to a colleague, to a friend, just alone before the Lord. Uh, in Because we all have shortcomings. Mm-hmm. We all have what we call scotomas, which are the blind spots. You, you, if you hold your hand up and, and look straight ahead and move the side, your hand disappears at some point. That's a blind spot that we can't see and I illustrate that in workshops and and so you're always uh, when you are allowed things to be exposed and brought into the light it always exposed more blind spot but here's the thing we're God's working with us isn't limited by his lack of power mm-hmm. it's limited by our willingness to humble ourselves before him Humbler, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. When he's good and ready, he will lift you up. Amen. Denny, thank you so much for being part of uh, Hope Renewed today. It's been a joy to, to have this conversation with you. Thanks so much, Denny. It was good to be with both of you, Sean and Tom. And thanks for the opportunity and look forward to any time in the future that we could do the same. God bless. And as always, we invite you, our listeners, to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. It's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others. Thank you for joining us today. It's our prayer that the hope of Christ finds you where you are and lifts you to where God is calling you to be. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, 
pirministries.org or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed. And remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame. Thank you.